I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. lit up the cosmos with its rage. Deep in the Kangatha Nebula in the abandoned mines of the Thorakai, far from the battle and the stars overhead, an ancient conflict was reaching its hard-fought conclusion. All this fighting is useless. We are no closer to a resolution than we are when we began. I agree. Borthos, for the last time I ask you, what podcast would you like to listen to with me? I told you what I want, you just don't listen. But you're being unreasonable. Oh, I'm the one being unreasonable. I told you what I want. But it's ridiculous, no such show exists. I want a show. Alright, listen. You want a show that does interviews, except sometimes it doesn't. You want it to focus on genre and cult films, except sometimes not. Interspersed with comedy bits that are Dadaist in nature. <laughs> type. Thank you. I also want a host that shares way too much personal stuff. And it's kind of uncomfortable. Have you tried Google? What's this? Scum of the Earth? Maybe we should try it out? Oh, thank God we're finally listening to something. Smug, confident, secure because you are sane. Do you know what madness is or how it strikes? Have you seen the demons? The surge through the corridors of the crazed mind? Come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. What a reptoad! No power on Earth can exercise the terror from scum of the Earth. Okie dokie, folks. I'm Frank Bonacci, and I'm the scum of the Earth. For those of you who are coming here from zoning out, welcome back. And for all you new folks... I'm sorry. Okay, full disclosure, this is my fourth time recording this portion of my opening monologue because I'm trying to describe this show for the newbies. Okay, so like I said earlier, I'm Frank Bonacci and I'm a filmmaker. I have a show called Zoning Out, which is a Twilight Zone recap show on Bloody FM, Bloody Disgustings Network. But as a film fan, I tend to like things that are strange and unusual because very much like Lydia Dietz, I myself am strange and unusual. Uh, as for the show, it's kind of like, well, it's like Grass Valley Greg said. Uh -huh. 
where ideas can hang out and do whatever. See, if you get Mr. Show references, you're in the right place. Everybody else? I'm sorry. I should have moved it to its own thing a while back. I, I was just too lazy. And finally, it was just like kind of a thing where it had developed it so much of a different personality from our main show. It's just like, yeah, it's a nice couch, but it don't go with the wallpaper, if you know what I mean. I want to do more experimental stuff with this show. I'm going to continue doing interviews. I really do enjoy them, but I want to do more with it. I basically just want a sandbox to play. So that's what this is. If you like that, great. But tomorrow I got something interesting. Uh, I went and saw Neil Breen's new film. I can't believe you committed suicide. I cannot believe you committed suicide. How could you have done this? How could you have committed suicide? Now, if you know that is, great. If you don't, don't worry. We'll get to it tomorrow. I went to a screening of his newest film, and I'd really like to talk about it. And I got a guest tomorrow, David Ebel. He's a filmmaker himself. But today's show is my second interview with Goran Topolovic. I hope I said that right. I'm sorry. Goran Topolovic is one of the founders of Subway Cinema. Subway Cinema is a... Subway Cinema is a New York... I should write these things down. Subway Cinema is a New York-based nonprofit dedicated to the exhibition and appreciation of Asian popular cinema and preservation of America's film exhibition heritage. Fancy. From September 1st to the 17th at New York City's Lincoln Center, they'll be hosting a special event called Korean Cinema's Golden Decade, the 60s, a mostly forgotten period in Asian cinema. We talk about this in the interview proper, how it's weird how Korea never got like mainstream international acceptance the same way that Hong Kong and Japan did till relatively recently. He goes into the very complex socio-political reasons why, which was, I don't envy Gorin for having to hold all that stuff in his head for interviews. It's really interesting stuff. So if you're in New York, check it out. As one of the perks of the job, I got to watch a bunch of these films. And damn, dude, there's some really good films out there. A lot of these films are like making their North American debut. A lot of films were thought to be lost. And there's something for everybody. And if you're in New York City... You might find me there because there's stuff I definitely want to see on the big screen. Check it out. And we'll be getting to that interview right after these commercials. And now a word from our sponsors. Coming soon to theaters. I'm Professor Kansas Bowling. I'm a graduate of the University of Teenage Studies, earning my PhD in The Young Girl. This is a film for all you mothers and fathers and those who wish to be. Parents, beware. Lock up your 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 lock Angel. You know that isn't what happened. She's fucking dead. We're gonna fucking deal with it, okay? Can we take her to a hospital? No! You should model caged animals. It was, it was violent. You learned to like it. You're not the only cuddly toy that was ever enjoyed by We're here to tell you about how hard our lives are. Being teenage girls. Cuddly Toys, getting canceled at a theater near you. I swear 
God, this city gets crazier and crazier every day. Hey, listen. Oh, jeez, we got a live one. Hey, buddy, the English nobleman in my teeth told me something. Hey, if you go to wnuf.bigcartel.com, you get the out there Halloween mega tape and other products. I bet you didn't know that. Did you know that the dust balls in my living room, they're there on purpose. Did you know that? Um, do you, do you want like a dollar or something? You just throw a cat at me? <laughs> oh my god, are you okay? I saw everything. Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you one thing though. I'm not gonna rest until I find out more about how to purchase the out there Halloween mega tape and other products from wnuf.bigcartel.com. I can tell you that much. Yes, I too would like to learn more about how to purchase the out there Halloween mega tape and other products from wnuf.bigcartel.com. Did you ever watch the Twilight Zone? Welcome everybody to Zoning Out. This is the show where we talk about the Twilight Zone. I'm Christopher Feinstein. The putter and dud. What do we got? Down sex. Where are you going those conversations after that cocktail party? <laughs> Frank Bonacci. He started screaming some such about his member not working. Boy, I didn't need this today. <laughs> and just. He was betting on tennis. Father when you bet. Tennis. Eco Islamislav is unstoppable. See? Who's that? <laughs> well, he's got that dog in him. So listen, I'm getting off top. Getting. Now, Mr. Serling. See this and many other stories on the outer limits. He's just trying to trash the competition. <laughs> <laughs> he was on tiptoes. <laughs> he was showing a lot of ankle. He walked out of there like the S209. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do a podcast that that doesn't come up. <laughs> because it's annoying. <laughs> but that's the problem, young man. <laughs> we can't put this out. <laughs> we can't put this in. Zoning out from Bloody FM. Frank! There he is, Gorin. How you been? What's happening, Frank? You're back. It's great when you get a person on the second time. The guests let you do the weird stuff. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, sir? Good. You know, busy, tired, but I good. Can, you know? I can tell. So this is for the South... Am Hold on. I got my notes. So yes. I, I've been... Here's what happened. I had... I'm away this weekend at my mm -hmm. in-laws, so I thought I had a setup that would work, and it didn't. So I've been scrambling for the last five you got, minutes. You got to improvise. I, I, I know how it is. I hate it. Yep. I, so, ha I, I have notes, too. I, I can't remember all this stuff. You know? I mean, it's, it's too much. I don't know. <laughs> so this is for Korean cinema's golden decade, the 60s, a Correct. thing that's playing at Lincoln Center from the 1st to the 17th? Correct. September 1st to 17th. 24 films total. Wow. From now, the 60s. I'm going to let my guard down a little bit because I, this is yeah. something I hate to admit. As a yeah. person who's kind of a film nerd, I hate admitting I don't know stuff. Mm -hmm. And the 60s period of Korean cinema is something I am wildly ignorant about. Uh, aside from Yongari, because it's a monster right. movie and I've seen yeah. every monster movie. Yeah. And it's, right. been, it's been a release in the US, right? So in the, even back in the day, it had a release, right? So it's interesting. Like, why do you, I didn't start hearing about South Korea cinema till around the early 2000s. I remember the first big movie that kind of hit here was Tube and JSA with like the mm -hmm. first big movies that kind of made it here. And maybe, maybe Sherry. I don't know if you Sherry, yes, that Sherry. One, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was, those are the ones I first started hearing about. Why do you think it kind of took a long time for Korean cinema to like get the kind of uh, exposure that Hong Kong, China, and Japan kind of got earlier? Yeah. So no, this is that's a great question. So so let's look at the Korean cinema the way we know it today, right? Really emerged 
uh, and kind of took over the whole international scene in uh, early 2000s, right? Because yeah. that, that's the new Korean cinema. That's, you know, Bong Joon-ho, Park Joon-ho, Kim Ji-won. So that whole generation that, that bring innovation and creativity to the industry. And these were also the boom years from the industry itself. So in order for any national film industry to, to grow and to thrive, right, there's certain conditions that need to be satisfied. There are a lot of factors that play a role into this. There are economic factors, government policy factors, uh, mm. censorship. So historically, looking at how the Korean uh, cinema developed, you have this new Korean cinema that everyone knows and loves, right? But prior to that, the last time there was the industry boom in Korea was the 60s. And that's actually one of the reasons why we decided to highlight the 1960s cinema. And that was quite remarkable. I would say, because Korean War ended in 1953. And of course, after the war, you have a rapid industrialization of the country, especially in the 60s. And the growth of film industry and other media industries, popular culture forms, uh, was growing in parallel with that. Especially, I would say that uh, this golden age of the 60s, it's really the outcome of the combination of, of certain level of kind of state control and protectionist policy, which then led to a new production system to be formed as a result of those uh, specific circumstances. And at the same time, you had a lot of creative energy, a lot of passionate filmmakers that wanted to tell their stories, right? So all these kind of elements combined and, you know, you cannot artificially create something like this, right? You know, and, right, it just and, happened. Right, it's too many and, factors. Yeah. Right, too many factors. And like the 60s was the boom years and uh, Korean cinema was also involved internationally and recognized internationally at that time. There were co-productions uh, with Hong Kong, you know, Korean, uh, there were also s some level called collaboration with Japan as well. But then government policy again, some decisions were made and, and like kind of in the 70s, things started declining, right? And and I think the, the Pak Chung-hee's uh, authoritarian government kind of decided that they didn't really have as much use for, for film industry as a way to utilize for their own purposes. And there's always a little bit of elemental propaganda that they wanted to put into the films. And they shifted their focus to television, right? And and the, the censorship was also very strict where you couldn't really talk about certain, you can't couldn't be cr critical of the government or so they really mm. kind of hampered the, the ability of the filmmakers to tell the stories that they wanted to tell, right? It's really later in the history of Korea than 80s into 90s is what you got democratic government there and, and then the, the censorship is loosening which kind of sets the stage for that new kind of renaissance that, that came with the new Korean cinema. So probably a, a, a long answer to your question. But yeah, no, it's, it's a, yeah. I imagined it was, I assumed it would be a complicated answer. Yeah. So, so this is, I mean, even what I told you is a very simplistic way of right. explaining it. But in order to answer that, you really need to look at, have a long view. You got to look at the context, right? So it's not to say that there aren't any uh, like a, a good and interesting and quality and artistic films made in Korea in the 70s and the 80s, but just that the number is much smaller than what maybe happened in the 60s or, or late 90s into 2000s, right? Was Korea going through the same, a similar thing as Japan was going through, where a lot of their... Uh the industry kind of shifted towards television too in the 70s because of just because of economics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but once again, you know, it wasn't really the, the free market, right? Because the government was kind of controlling everything. Even oh, in the yeah. 60s, even in the 60s, the government controlled almost every aspect of production, uh, distribution, uh, 
and and even like how, you know how how many foreign films are going to be imported and who which company is going to have the right to distribute those films domestically in Korea. So there was a lot of that. Um, yeah, they didn't seem to like export like the other country. Like it, it's it's probably easier to export like a lot of stuff that came from Japan and Hong Kong because they had a lot more escapist fare at least. Maybe is that what it was? That was probably made it easier sell internationally or the stuff that would like translate better to like uh, Western audiences like Godzilla. Like like they seem to try that with Yongari. Stuff like yeah, that but but I think the motives were different, right? So they weren't so much focused maybe on exporting films, but uh, in the case of Yongari, Kim Kidok director, he really wanted to be able to make the kind of monster film in Korea and to kind of learn from Japanese technicians, film crews, how to make these films, right? Because prior there, there was no experience in how to do all those uh, photography with, with uh, small scale, right, models. And uh, so, so there was actually a, a collaboration. They, they got the people who work on Godzilla to come over to, uh, to Korea to work on this. And they had to get a special license from Korean governments for for this as well so yeah, so uh, it really really sounds like it was really just because of rigid governmental like government rules that kind of kept them having like the big international effect that uh, other countries did around that time and and i think maybe it's really has to do kind of with maybe with the available budgets and it's like if you want to compare it to like a show brothers where they really kind of dominated the southeast asia right with their mm -hmm. and they had but they also had a much bigger market and audience right because they were really targeting tar targeting the kind of the whole chinese world right for, for their cinema so you have a larger audience for that right and even in terms of the co-productions that south korea did with with hong kong right so primarily there was kind of film like Shin Sang-ok's you know company uh, with, with Shaw Brothers I, I sort of felt that the the Shaw Brothers got the better end of that bargain right so, right. so the co-productions that they they did they would be also released in Korea as Korean versions but for whatever reasons they didn't really do well at the box office and also in terms of the uh, being able to export that outside of Korea, Shin was uh, film was limited because as a part of the deal, let's say they, they would only get six prints from Shaw Brothers. Uh, but Shaw Brothers had negatives and they can print as many prints as they wanted for the. For the uh. so, so there are a lot of uh, there's no simple answer. And also, I'm also still, <laughs> I'm also learning about this stuff, too. Right. So you, you said yeah. it's like you don't know uh, anything about 60s Korean cinema. So, well, we, we didn't know a lot either. And this was also our attempt to learn more about it. And I'm still learning about it. So <laughs> Out of the films that you're showing there next month. What are your yeah. favorites? I'll tell you a couple of my favorites. Uh, yeah. The Empty Dream, which you guys sent over, oh, it was yes. fantastic. It is. It's, it's incredible. It is also one of my favorites. It's, it's so unique. I mean, you can't find any other movie yeah, like I that. I mean, yeah, surrealist, dentist, yeah. romance films. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't... It's like, oh, that genre. Yeah. I mean, uh, e even, even though it's actually based on a Japanese pink film, called daydream right is it a pink it, film <laughs> it is it, it, it feels is. like a pink film yeah yeah. It does. yeah so i mean japanese film is much more explicit uh, of course oh sure but, but even though that was the case right and, and this was actually kind of official remake because they they uh got the rights from the Japanese company to do this, uh, which wasn't the case for a lot of other remakes in Korea, but that's a whole different story. And it's also an interesting story. Uh, anyway, so even though it was it was a remake, I think that 
empty dream is is really its own film and, and, it's and, and in many ways it is superior to the film that it's based on another great film from this that i got to watch was aimless bullet which really oh, it talks a lot like about it, yeah. uh, a lot of the things you've been talking about about like the culture and like post-war it's mm -hmm. a, it feels like an italian neorealist film except yes. in korea <laughs> yeah yeah no you 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 nailed it right so and actually both of these films it's it's the same director uh you oh, is it? Oh. right yeah so and he's actually uh i would say he's he's probably the he was the top kind of art house auteur uh, of the 60s. Um, yeah, he's a revelatory. Like, that's like, yeah. this is why it's great what you're doing, because like a guy like him should be known more. Absolutely. Of how interesting. Yeah. yeah. And yes, definitely Italian neorealism, but also uh, I think German expressionism as well mm -hmm. uh, and, and modernism. So so all these elements combined and, and in a Korean context and it's just a brilliant movie. I mean, even though it's not a happy film, but it's it's a, such a work <laughs> of art that I want to I, I want to see it again and again you know it's it's one of those depressing like there's the kind of depressing films mm -hmm. that are exhilarating because they're so well made like it's like yeah. it's, it's one of those kind of films where it's like yeah, yeah it's miserable but it's stunning <laughs> it's stunning it's beautiful to look at and just the performances and the set design the, you know everything yeah. so i just want to let my audience know that there's a lot in there we didn't even talk about let's meet at walker hill which is a phenomenal musical like candy oh, I'm musical glad you like it i'm glad yes. you like it yeah there's just so much stuff there that you really wish there we is. could cover on this there but is. I know. you should absolutely because uh we're on we're at it once again we're out of time i gotta have you on outside of uh, setup so we could really deep dive into stuff because sure, uh, you absolutely have, absolutely yeah. yeah i'd love to but uh, yeah. thank you so much, Gorin. Good luck with the festival. You work yourself to death. You always put these things. They sound like very labor-intensive things to put together, these things. They are, especially showing older films. And I have to give big props to Korean Film Archive and especially uh, Eric Che who, from Korean Film Archive. And he's the co-curator of this program. And they've, they've done tremendous work behind the scenes in getting all the materials ready for the screenings, clearing the rights, the copyright and you know there was also uh creating new English subtitles there, there was there's so much work so much wing parts so yeah, i would and... I, I i would discourage people from from showing classic <laughs> films <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you've dug okay. yourself into a hole so <laughs> i know i know so anyway yeah i was over there now i'm over here that's a professional Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.